0: Today on Run with Horses, we're looking at what to do when your spiritual life is in a rut. My name is Norman. My goal is to help you run your race well, not just surviving, but thriving as a disciple of Jesus. There are a lot of things you can do with your life, but I don't think anything compares with following Jesus and joining him on his mission of bringing hope to the nations. Thanks for including me on your journey today. Well, today, Just as a fair warning, I'm not sure why, but there are a ton of trucks going by outside and my daughter's downstairs playing the piano, so I'm not sure how much of that will come through to you, but it's a busy day. I'm not sure exactly why. Well, the question of the day is, have you reached a spot in your spiritual life where you just feel like, I'm stuck, like I just can't manage to make a single step forward? I think most of us have reached a place like that at some point in time in our life, Hopefully it's not a consistent thing and you're constantly stuck, but there definitely are times when we feel like I, I'm just stuck. I don't know what to do. I, I don't know what the next step forward is. So it's helpful sometimes to stop and think about how do I get past that? And I know the last couple of shows I've been thinking about this journey, these stages that we go through, you know, we all grow through the stages of life as a person from an infant to a child and an adult, and then hopefully a parent and grandparent. And ultimately we go back to the grave and into the presence of our father. So that's a natural part of the journey. Being stuck for a long time is not being stuck temporarily. You should accept that as that that happens. That is part of the journey. There are times, even in physical growth and maturity, when people stop. You know, I remember our son reached a point where it's like, "Well, he hadn't grown for a while." It's kind of weird because he just sprouted up and then he stopped. But then after a while, he took off again. So that's normal. I think we reached. I have reached places in my intellectual development as I've grown as a person and spiritually, where I was learning for a while, but then because of maybe busyness or all these different things that contribute to it. But I I reached a spot where I just was stuck. I felt like I wasn't learning anything new. I wasn't really growing. So I think that's natural. The struggle is and the, the challenge really is to not let that stop you long term. Recognize there are little lulls and maybe that's a time that we're supposed to refocus and make sure that I'm pointed in the right direction. So there's definitely a time of self-evaluation and asking, am I pursuing the right things? And sometimes God uses that little lull to allow us to take some of the past lessons and really ingrain those, really Mm. dig those deep into our life so that we're prepared for that next stage. You know, sometimes you learn new skills, you learn new things. And you need time to process them. So some of those laws are, I think, meant to be a time of processing. So I think it happens to all of us. We maybe don't want to admit it, but we all find these t- times when we're we're going to get stuck. So today, I want to just give you some thoughts about how to get past the roadblocks in your life and get your spiritual life moving again. And particularly once you've taken that time to evaluate and see, is there uh, something I need to be really focusing on right now, because often I think God does give us a little lull for a specific reason. But assuming that you don't know what that reason is and it might be a problem, let's look at a couple of things that might be helpful to you. First, let's just look at a couple of reasons why people get bogged down. Honestly, a big one, and obviously a big one would be sin. You know, if you have sin that hasn't been dealt with, it it should be obvious that that's something that's going to keep you from growing. So this the truth of the spiritual life is you have to deal with sin as soon as you're aware of it. You want to develop that kind of a spiritual habit, a spiritual response to sin. When I'm made aware of sin in my life, I want to confess it. I want to repent of it. And I want to do what I can to prevent it from happening again. So how did I get into this to evaluate what happened in my life? Why was I more susceptible to this this time? Why did I fall this time when maybe I I didn't in the past? So I want to evaluate those things and consider, did I leave a door open that I should have kept closed and locked? So I have to deal with sin. That's a big one. If you're having a spiritual downturn or lull and you feel like you're not growing, you, you have to at least, I think, ask the question, is there sin in my life that I haven't dealt with? That's always going to be something that's going to make your spiritual growth difficult, if not impossible. Maybe related to it, maybe not. Unhealthy relationships. You know, the people that you hang around with, the people that you consider your friends, they're going to make it easy or hard for you to follow Jesus. I think particularly the younger you are, although as I think about it, it's not just the young people. It's, it's all of us. If you have unhealthy relationships, people that you you really want them to respect you, want them to like you. If that's a big part of what you're seeking after and those people are unhealthy, then that's really going to be a problem. Now, I think if you're seeking man's approval, even even if you have uh, people that are, are solid and growing and, and Christians and they're really encouraging you to grow, if you're seeking their opinion more than God's and their approval more than God's, I think that's always going to be a problem. But you take that a step further and you have unhealthy relationships, people who are obviously bringing you down. Okay. That can be very difficult. And I think it's important to recognize that there are people that we have in our lives that we may need to step away from for a while. There are people that we're not ready to be around. We're not spiritually mature enough to handle what they bring into the relationship. Be aware of that and be prepared. There are relationships that are unhealthy and say, well, yeah, I want to, I want to reach everyone with the gospel. We definitely want everyone to be to be reached with the gospel, but recognize that you're not the right person to reach everyone with the gospel. Some people are going to drag you down to their level and you're not the one to influence them. So be aware of that. You know, as much as I hate to say it, some people are just lazy. <laughs> and you can put in with that, busy. Um, busy and lazy end up kind of in the same place when you think about our uh, our spiritual lives, and the the way that they keep us from going forward. It means you, you might know what to do, but you can't seem to get it done. Now, that can be because you're lazy and you just, are, you just don't want to do it, or it can be because you're busy and you just don't give yourself time to do it. Either way, <laughs> that's opposite ends of the spectrum, but either one of those can really cause you spiritual problems. Uh, it can be, in either case, a a symptom of misplaced priorities. It's one reason why when we face these lulls in our spiritual life, we need to stop and consider where I am right now. What am I pursuing? What are the things I'm seeking after? What are my priorities right now? Are they clearly biblical? Are they clearly not biblical? Are they kind of gray and I just haven't been intentional at all? We have to be intentional about the way we live. If you're intentional, it's gonna be hard to be lazy. I mean, that doesn't fit in with an intentional life. And you can be busy with the wrong things. So being intentional is going to help you with both of those and recognize sometimes I'm going full speed for something that's not helpful, something that might might even be harmful. But because I've been busy, I just have allowed one thing to add to another, and now I'm going in the wrong direction, but I'm going full speed. That can be harmful. So examine your priorities and consider your actions or lack of actions and what that says about what you really believe and what you really uh, are desiring Sometimes we can get stuck because of doubt or discouragement. And this goes hand in hand with, with maybe making a mistake or just living the, living the life as a human. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to have problems. You're going to slip here and there. And that's going to steal your confidence. And it's going to make you consider your ability more than God's grace. Uh, that's really what it comes down to. We begin to look at my life and the problems in my life. And I say, I'm not sure I can do this. And rather than say, God's grace is sufficient, I mean, he clearly tells us that, instead of relying on that, we start to look at our ability and what we're capable of and say, can I, can I really do this? And the answer should be, no, absolutely not. You can't. Isn't that a great thing? You can't do it. You don't have to. Uh, God's grace is sufficient. I mean, you're going to fall and you can get right back up and you're going to fail and you're going to be forgiven. God is sufficient right there. He is growing you. He's the one that we're supposed to rely on. So doubt and discouragement often come, not always, but often come from that misplaced sense of trust. If you are trusting in your strength and your wisdom and your ability, that can be discouraging because I know I look at my life and say, well, I just, I don't often know is plan A, B, or C the best plan. I have to trust that God's going to work if I, if I can't do that, then I'm always going to have this niggling doubt. And that may be enough to keep me from, from really being the person I'm supposed to be in every situation. Because I always wonder, is this right? Am I, am I doing the right thing? You can be discouraged because we, we fall, we make a mistake, we sin. Well, rather than being discouraged, let me encourage you to let that point you to God. Rather than being discouraged when you fail stand up and say, thank God I'm forgiven. This points me once again to the need for Christ to go to the cross. And I'm so thankful that he did. God's grace is sufficient. Well, and the last one I want to mention, and there are a lot more, but we're not going to take the time to go through. We'd be doing this all day. Uh, Earthly desires. Just, we get distracted by the things of the world. You know, there's lots of shiny things out there. (laughs) there. Uh, If you spend any time on the internet, everything and everybody's trying to sell you something. I mean, literally everybody, anywhere you go, it doesn't matter what site you go to, whether it's uh, social media or friends' YouTube page, you're going to see these sites that are trying to get your attention and ultimately get your your money or just get your information so they can sell that one way or another. They want something from you. The whole world is that way. And there's so many things. They use lots of shiny promises and, and all of these uh, things that are going to make your life better and make you happier. Uh, your, people are going to like you more. <laughs> these these new things are all competing for the place that Jesus demands, which is first place. Uh, he wants full con- commitment, full surrender, uh, everything. He wants us to be focused on him. And it's so easy to be focused on everything else. So if you're going into this, uh, Maybe you've reached a plateau. You're not going into a valley, but you kind of feel like you're on a plateau. And you feel like, well, I'm not really growing right now. Consider, are you being distracted by things that don't matter right now? And this goes back to the earlier one, priorities. But often we allow those distractions in and we don't recognize it. Oh, yeah, it's all these shiny things have gotten my attention. So obviously, this is not a complete list. You need to do the personal hard work of examining your own life, life to determine where you're aligned with God and where you're pursuing something else. And I mean, that can be anything. You know, we only looked at five things. Sin could be anything. <laughs> Unhealthy relationships would be a person or a, a need to be fulfilled from that personal relationship. You know, lazy or busy, that could be I just selfishness. I just don't want to do things. Or it could be busy. I'm, I'm pursuing things that I want instead of what God wants. Doubt and discouragement. It could be evaluating someone else's opinion more than God's. Or it could be looking at the problem, looking at our mistake more than we look at God the fleshly desires, earthly desires. It's just all of the distractions of life there. So you have to determine where you are and where you need to be. Okay, you've done done the hard work. You examine your life and say, well, you know, I, I definitely recognize I have some things that I need to work on. Now let's consider some obvious tools that we need to always be using to build a healthy spiritual life because sometimes it's not some obscure little lesson we didn't learn. It's the basics. Uh, often it's neglecting the basics that get us into problems, and it's reinforcing the basics basics that get us back on track. So here's me, the broken record, telling you that God has given you three things specifically to help you grow. You have heard this before, and you will hear it again. because One, because it's true. And two, because we all need that reminder. It's so easy as we're distracted, and we just feel like, oh, I just can't do it to forget that God has given us all that we need, and we need to stay there. It's consistence, perseverance, patience, (laughs) endurance. Number one, God's Word. There is really, let me say this strongly, there is really no way to grow without time in God's Word. I mean, you have to spend time with God, and His Word is the way that He reveals Himself to you, the way that He shows you who He is and what He loves and what He hates. So basics, read the Bible. Don't just read it, meditate on it. Think about what it says. What do I learn about God in this passage? What do I learn about man, the way that we're made, about sin, about the church and all that God's doing in the world? Spend that time reading it and then thinking about what it means and how it um, matters in the world today. How is this relevant? Every passage in there, uh, you can look and you can spend time meditating on. You'll see it uh, a little more fully. Often we read and pass right on through and we miss things. So spend the time reading it but also meditating on it and as you do that you're going to find those passages that stick out to you as like oh this is important for me where I am right now okay that's a passage that's a verse or a chapter that you need to memorize so you spent that time thinking about it you spent that time studying it memorize it make it available for the Holy Spirit to bring back to you every day in every way talk to other people about it you know You can read your Bible, and you'll meet Christians throughout the day, and you can share it with them. Hey, I was reading this, and this is really encouraging to me. That is a great way to be involved throughout the day with God's Word as you meditate on it, as you're memorizing it, as you're talking to others about it. You're building a foundation for a healthy spiritual life. You really can't build a strong foundation without that. It's like trying to build a a concrete foundation with Uh, sand and rocks, but you don't actually have the concrete. (laughs) You can add the water to the rocks and sand, but it's not going to build you a foundation. You have to have all the ingredients, and God's Word is is key, is vital. Second one is the Holy Spirit. You have to recognize the Holy Spirit is a huge part of your spiritual growth. It's part of trusting in God's grace. God has given you the Holy Spirit to guide you, to help you understand God's Word, and to change you from inside out because He knows that we can't do it ourselves. When you don't know what to pray, okay, pray (laughs) and trust that the Holy Spirit does know what you need. Uh, Take that time, spend it with God, even though you're not sure exactly what the problem is. Say, God, I, I know that you do. Hallelujah. I'm so glad that God knows what my problem is and also knows what the solution is. So I pray and God says pray for wisdom and he gives liberally to those who ask. So ask God to give you wisdom about your Uh, Spiritual malaise, your spiritual plateau, your spiritual valley, and I think He wants to answer that prayer. And the Holy Spirit certainly is there to comfort us and to guide us as we walk through that valley or walk across that plateau. Uh, He's there with us. The third one, the church. Hey, I know the church takes a lot of hard knocks. It's definitely not perfect, but then how could it be? I mean, it's full of former enemies of God who are still learning what it means to be part of His family. You have this group of people who are forgiven. But they still bring all of the baggage from their past life and all of their mistakes and all the consequences of past sin. Hey, they're bringing all that into the church. All of the ways that people treated them horribly in the past and that they treated horribly in the past. That's all there. That's part of the church. I mean, the church is definitely a bad group of people. But you know what? They're his group of people. As a resource for spiritual growth, the church uh, includes things that. Are just vital for us. God has intended for us to be part of this body. So we need to spend time with it. You need to spend time with God's family, encourage them, lifting them up, using your gifts. And often it's not that you are going to receive things from the church, but it's often in that process of you being actively obedient and using your gifts that you're encouraged and you're challenged and that you grow. Keep in mind, just as a side note, The church includes the music, the books, sermons, podcasts, videos, all those things that are resources that the church is producing to teach, encourage, and motivate you to keep on keeping on. Depending on what your need is, there are different things at different times. You can use all those. You should use all those. I use all those. However, being present with God's people is the foundation. Spending time with God's people and loving them and seeking to actively be obedient in Carrying out the one another's in loving them as God loves them. That's going to be hugely important for you as you get out of your valley or walk across your plateau. Okay. Now, those are the basics. Now, there's a few things that I think you should have in your spiritual toolbox to pull out when you need them. These are not things that you use necessarily every day. And I'm talking about the spiritual disciplines. If you have not practiced the spiritual disciplines, I highly, highly, highly encourage you to do so. Uh, They are super valuable. Uh, They really do give you a lot of uh, extra ammunition in fighting your spiritual battles. So there are two big kinds. Disciplines of abstinence. These are where you take something out of your life to put something else in. So you don't just take something out and leave it out. We always think about food. You stop eating. But if you don't do anything else special to use that time, it might be healthy for you physically, but it's not doing anything for you spiritually. For fasting to be a spiritual discipline, you go without food for a time and you replace that food with maybe more of God's word, with prayer, with a meeting with a believer where you're you're fasting on God's word together. And while I'm on fasting, remember that's, not just food. It can be from anything, different kinds of media, uh, from certain relationships, anything you're taking out and you're replacing with more of God, more of God's word, more, more prayer. That's helpful. That's useful. Other disciplines of abstinence that you should at least be aware of. And some of these go hand in hand. You might combine two or three of these together. And often that's the, the ideal way to do it. Fasting's the one everyone has heard of. Solitude, Jesus often did that. He would take time away from people. But he didn't just go away to be alone and recharge his emotional toolbox. <laughs> he, he took time away from people and gave that time to God. So he would take time away in solitude for prayer. And that's what we're talking about with fasting as well. Take that time away where you're not, not eating. You're not uh, sitting down at a table and all that time in prep and all that kind of stuff. You're spending that time uh, with God. So Jesus took that time in solitude Gave him extra space to pray. Hand in hand with solitude, one of the best things I found is silence. And by that, uh, you know, not speaking, not talking to other people, going to a quiet place to clear a space for God to reach us. Uh, Often for me, this would mean, you know, turning off your cell phone, leaving it in another room and going for a walk, going out in the woods somewhere, finding a room in the house where nobody else is, even going and sitting in the car. You know, there are lots of ways you can do this. But you're combining getting away from distraction. That's both the solitude and the fasting and silence. They're all getting away from distractions. Could be people, could be noise, could be food, could be media. You're pulling that away and you're intentionally clearing a space for God. Uh, that's hugely important. And then the last one a lot of people include as a discipline of absence is a Sabbath. So an intentional rest in God's person person and provision. So, you're, you're intentionally recognizing God provides. He's the one for me, uh, and I'm intentionally just resting in Him. Now, you have these disciplines of abstinence. I would highly encourage you to look up Richard Foster's book, uh, Celebration of the Disciplines, and I found that hugely encouraging. There's lots of other resources looking at disciplines. Disciplines of abstinence. Disciplines of engagement. So these are the opposite. Abstinence, you're taking something away. Engagement is you're intentionally doing something more. So one of the first ones, maybe you'd include Bible in there. So you have, hopefully you have, your normal Bible reading and devotional schedule. But you might include an engagement where you, you spend half a day where you've, you've gone into kind of a solitude and silence mode. You're fasting and you take God's word and you just read. Uh, two or three of Paul's letters. Read the book of Isaiah in one sitting. You, you ingest lots of God's word, thinking about it, studying it. Maybe spend half a day and memorize several uh, several verses that are meaningful you, meaningful to you. Or even praying God's word, thinking through Paul's prayers. And some of the uh, the Psalms are also awesome for this, where you think about what God's word says and you pray that back to God. That could be an, a discipline of engagement, a worship praising God in words, music, or even in silence. This could be privately or in community. But worship is a discipline of engagement. You can actively engage in worshiping God. And you should do this. You know, I think often we go, uh, get together with the church family and we haven't really humbled our hearts before him. So we're not really capable of uh, of worshiping Him. And I often, I, I think we often use worship wrong. I think if if humility is not part of your worship, I'm not sure that you're really worshiping. You may be praising, you may be giving thanks, but I'm not sure you're worshiping if humility is not part of your worship. Anyway, <laughs> beside the point for today, Disciplines of Engagement. A prayer. Spending more time praying, talking to God about what we're experiencing and doing together. A fellowship. You can intentionally seek out believers to encourage and speak with about phys- uh, spiritual things. So you can Ask for people. Hey, would you meet me this Saturday for a couple hours? Really, just like to spend some time talking over what God's teaching me or learning what God's teaching you, and you're you're really actively seeking to engage more with God's family. In that case, service. This would be humbly serving God by overflowing with His love and compassion to others, especially those in need. It could include tithing and giving. Um, It's a great way to get out of your head. So if you're if you're in this valley and you feel like you're just kind of discouraged, things haven't been going well. If you get out and serve people with with just, you really just love them and serve them, it really gets you out of your head where you're worrying so much about yourself. When you see how God can use you to bless someone else, uh, that goes a long way toward helping with your discouragement. So finally, uh, how do you make a plan that will give you some structure and intentionality as you face your spiritual battles? Well, if possible, identify the main area you're struggling with right now. I mean, that's not always possible, but if you can, is there an obvious reason why you're struggling or why you're not growing? And is there a way to address it? Uh, it's often valuable to ask a good Christian friend to help you evaluate your life and your current lifestyle. Talking with that friend who maybe is more mature than you might help you to see your life from the outside and grow. And maybe you're seeing it incorrectly and you should be encouraged that you have been growing. You just expect it to grow more. Sometimes that you find that. Talk to somebody else. Include the the church family in your plan making. Make sure you have a consistent plan to follow the basic activities of the spiritual life. I mean, if you're not engaged with the church, if you're not praying, if you're not in God's word, okay, you're not really trying to address your problem. So make sure that you have a solid plan for that. You're making space for God every day. You know, put the church on your calendar, not just the service times, but plan to reach out to others. Put prayer on your calendar and pray throughout the day. Put God's Word on your calendar, but then also spend some time, you know, carry an index card to work with you and think about that verse when you have a few minutes out today. Consider the spiritual disciplines. Maybe every time you have a problem, it's not the time to, to include them, but at least consider them and look into them and make space in your life for those that you believe would help you given where you are right now. Don't be afraid to try one. You know, some people look at it and go, "Wow, well, I've never done that before. That's some kind of weird. Okay, I understand if you've never tried it before, but if you're taking God's Word and you, you think about it, you're, you're, really, you're really taking the basics of the spiritual life and just giving them a little more space. That's really most of what this is. So don't be afraid to try that. Uh, give God your best, and sometimes your best means you need to prune some things or you need to add some things that haven't been there consistently, so... Don't be afraid to try something. Spiritual disciplines are great things to try. A key point, just as we think through and finish up with this whole discussion, it really is super helpful to invite a friend to go through this time with you. If you really feel like, I, I'm just stuck, or I'm on a plateau and I'm really not where I'd like to be. Find a good Christian friend who you believe is mature and is growing, and ask them to pray for you, but also to pray with you as you begin to apply these tools to your life. Ask them, you know, is there some recommendation they might have for how they could see you applying some of these tools in a way that would be beneficial to you. You're not meant to walk the Christian life alone. To walk alone is a recipe for stagnation, for just disaster, for a nasty spiritual fall. You are not intended to walk the Christian life alone. You have to understand that. And most of all, really, it comes down to keep it up. Persevere. The reward is worth the struggle. Remember that God promises to be with you in the middle of every trial, and He's working in you to complete the work that He started. It is not all up to you, as much as sometimes it feels like it is. God does give you things and assignments and homework so that uh, you will see the need for Him, but He's doing the work, and trust Him that He will complete that work. Thanks for joining me today. Check out RunWithHorses.net for show notes and past shows. Write me at Norman at RunWithHorses.net if you have comments or questions. Join our uh, Facebook community and ask questions there. Uh, I try to check that at least every day or so. Tell a friend if you found this show helpful. You know, I'd like to do more to encourage more people, but I only have so much time, I only have so much energy, and I'm getting older, so there's only so much I can do. Keep running.